Hey guys, this is Colin from Blackjack Apprenticeship, and I am on this podcast with BJA member and uh, full-time or three-quarter time card poker player. How are you doing? Pretty good, Colin. How about you? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, good to good to get this going. I know it was you wrote a post uh, recently, and it got people clamoring for a podcast with you, and so we kind of made it happen fairly quickly. Uh, yep. So thanks for doing this. No problem. Glad to be here. Awesome. Well, let's start at the beginning of your story as far as how did you get interested in advantage play and card counting? Yeah, so I would have to say it was basically from as long as I can remember. Of course, I didn't really call it advantage play back then. I didn't know that was really a thing. Um, I used to play poker uh, with my family when I was probably like six or seven. I've always been pretty much a games player, card games, board games video games, all the stuff, anything that has like a strategy to it. And uh, so very quickly and kind of intuitively, I figured out that poker was a game that could be beaten. The better player won, just like in chess. Of course, there's a little bit of luck involved. And uh, it was pretty much that that kind of started me on the road. And that's why when I joined Blackjack Apprenticeship, I made my name Poker Player. And uh, just to kind of give reference to my poker history. Um how I got started with card counting, um, it kind of started in high school. The movie 21 had came out, and like almost 90% of everyone that's on a podcast or anything, they watched the movie and thought, hey, maybe I could do that. And uh, I was only like 16 or 17 at the time, so there was no way I was going to get into a casino. But I thought the idea was interesting, and I watched some YouTube videos. Um, I didn't actually end up finding yours. It was this other YouTube video that just kind of went over high-low. I taught myself that. I used to play poker with some friends of mine. And uh, they came over, and I said, hey, let's play blackjack. And so I'm counting the cards in my head, and we're playing, and the count gets to like a five or six or something like that. And so I put all my chips out, my friend gets a blackjack, and I get like a 16, and I lose. So I was like, <laughs> oh, no, this, this doesn't work. This is, this is BS or something. I don't know. And uh, so I kind of forgot about it. Thought maybe it was something that didn't exist anymore. I didn't know. And uh, as I put in my post, I was in the military. When I got out of the military, I started playing poker at a local club. And when I was learning more about that, that's when I found uh, your videos on YouTube about blackjack apprenticeship and card counting. And so I started looking into it that way. So how serious did you take poker? Um, Never really serious. Um, It was more... I'd say an intellectual thing. And it was like, I knew money could be made there because, you know, like they say in the movie rounders, it's like the same 10 people win the world series of poker every year. So either it's rigged or there's a strategy to it. Um, I did want to start playing, but I kind of had the same, um, reservations that you've talked about in the past where it's like, you don't know exactly what your edge is and you really never know what the right play is. You know, there's good hands, there's bad hands. And so I was working my way through mastering that and starting to play for really low stakes, but trying to work mm-hmm. my way up. And that's when I found card counting and I kind of made the switch over to there. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So uh, were you more of a no no limit or or like yeah. a limit? No, no limit. Okay. Okay. Did, did you read books on it or how did you kind of approach that? Uh, pretty much all of it. I, I have some books. I have a couple of the super systems and some of uh, oh, Daniel yeah. Grano's books and stuff like that. And uh, I downloaded some like PDFs and stuff that were mm-hmm. from like the heyday. But with since I wasn't old enough to play when all the internet poker went out, and I live yeah. in the Northeast, and the only online markets I could go to would be like driving to New Jersey, and I didn't want to do that. So yeah. Online poker was never really an option for me, and I also lived in uh, North Carolina for a while, so that was never really an option for me. And so it was more just with friends, because in eastern North Carolina, the closest casino was Cherokee, which is like 10 hours away. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so poker, uh, it wasn't until I left the military and came back home that I got into some local clubs and started playing mm-hmm. and winning. Well, I in my experience, playing with friends can actually be pretty good because they get to know you and you have to adjust, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, we, we used to play quite a bit, um, Ben and I, and, and his wife and my wife and some other friends and, you know, they would figure out, they could like push me around until I was like, no, I'm not going to get pushed around. And then all of a sudden, yeah. you know, 
then then their bluffs didn't work anymore and I was beating them. And so then they had to adjust. And it, it actually was a good thing because um, mm-hmm. it, it, it makes you work work through some of those things. But, you know, playing in a live casino is uh, can be can be pretty different from home games. I never took it real seriously, but um, I, I still find it interesting talking to someone that got got into poker. There's my theory is that there's not a lot of people that are interested in both card counting and poker that mm-hmm. that uh, the people that are into card counting kind of like I think why you made the switch it's it's you know the system um, you know the edge it's just a matter of perfecting it and getting in the hours with poker I would say generally poker players have a lot more gamble in them were there <laughs> yeah I've definitely noticed that um, when I started I think I started learning out the right way because I knew it was a game of math so I learned about EV and odds and calculations and stuff mm-hmm. but I, I was always looking for like the system like okay how do I know what the right play is yeah and every resource is like well that depends well, what's the player been playing mm-hmm. like how old is he how is this and I, I got frustrated because it was like, learn hundreds of different charts and different positions and all this stuff and there's solvers and yeah. i've I, I got good enough to beat almost all of my friends completely consistency uh, consistently mm-hmm. all of them still remember the story of the one time they beat me and i'm <laughs> like and they're like nope not playing you anymore and i'm like we don't even play for real money so come on yeah but uh yeah so i i still love the game and i play it with friends and family um because I, I consider it like chess, and I think it, I think poker has a really good analogy for like life, in mm-hmm. that there's always the chance, and you never know exactly what the next card is. But there's a lot of that yeah. blackjack too, which I learned after studying. Yeah, and I think with poker, there, there's even some different analogies than than uh, to life than blackjack. Because mm-hmm. with poker, you could actually shift the odds. By you know, like if if you can uh, win the more the psychological game, you know, yeah. whereas, whereas blackjack it's just it's just the science of it. And but real mm-hmm. life, it, it there's the science, and then there's also the you know the personal the, or the relational element to yeah, life that definitely. that can be shifted. I think that's why I liked limit better because mm-hmm. it's much more just the, just the science. Uh, yeah, of course, yeah. Home, home games you're not playing limit. Well, actually, sometimes they play some some limit home games. They they, I, I never got into it, but they get into some pretty wild, uh, odd variations for for high sta- mm-hmm. higher stakes than I was comfortable with because you know I didn't think I could play positive EV for some of those things. Um, how do you think that that helped with the transition into blackjack? Just already understanding EV and and all that stuff. Yeah, that's I, I think that's the biggest biggest thing is I. I I had a pretty good foundation with math. I did very well in math in high school and whatnot, and I've always liked it. And so it was pretty easy, I think, for me to recognize that, you know, if you have 52 cards in a deck and one card comes out and learning like outs and poker, you just expand that mm-hmm. to two, four, six, eight, whatever decks they have. And so the math seemed pretty intuitive, I guess I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, when you get six decks and all the uh, deviations and strategies and stuff like that, it, the, the actual math is a little complicated, but I still think I understood it. And I've, I've never had any gamble in me, even playing poker. So mm-hmm. that I think that's why Blackjack and those more uh, stable, I guess you'd say, advantage plays are more what I like to do now. Yeah. And... Uh... You you said you were also in the military. How did that, mm-hmm. or did it play into, um, you know, helping you as you got into advantage playing card counting? Yeah. So, actually, I was listening to um, one of your podcasts. It was the roundtable you did with uh, JC Note, Levi Mitch, and Spartan a couple years mm-hmm. ago. And one of the things they were talking about it was the one about going pro. Is uh, your ability to interact with people in like authoritarian positions. And I think Mm -hmm. that honestly is one of the the biggest things I got out of the military is I always had like drill sergeants or whoever. So I was always in chaotic situations and I needed to learn not to break down. So I've had, I've told people back off stories and whatever, which Mm -hmm. mine has pretty much mostly been completely cordial and nice, but um, I I was never afraid of Mm. anything, any, um, uh, pit boss or security could do because I've been in worse 
Yeah. And I was like, yeah, go ahead. Take a swing at me. <laughs> I will get a lawyer and <laughs> I will own this place. So please do. That's actually, that's really interesting. I don't think uh, I've thought a whole lot about that. I wonder if um, it made me think about probably my like religious school upbringing mm-hmm. preparing because I was getting in, in trouble all growing up for things that were like ridiculous to get in trouble for, you know, yeah. um, because these rules that I thought were silly and I mm-hmm. would bend the rules or not follow the rules or, or whatever. And I wasn't a bad kid. I was just like, oh, you're going to make me wear a tie. I'm going to wear a wooden tie or, you know, just yeah. the stupid mm-hmm. stuff. Um, or they say my hair can be a certain length. I'm going to have it exactly that length. And then they're going to, you know, they, I remember being told you, your hair isn't too long, but we're going to send you home anyway, because we don't like how much you're pushing it. You know, it's like when you're used yeah. to that in a casino yeah. being like, we don't like that you're playing well, <laughs> who cares? You know, mm-hmm. you, you don't get that offense. But the military is like that to the nth degree because mm-hmm. you're literally getting like yelled at and, mm-hmm. you know, um, and you just have to learn how to, how to handle it. Yeah. So I think between that and I did do, uh, a lot, a lot of the resources you you put out when I was starting and talking to like Joe Seven Four Eight and stuff like that at the boot camps. When I got my first back off, I was just it, it, none of it caught me by surprise. Um, I, I know you were going to get into this later, but my first back off story, I remember they walked out to me and the, the, there was three of them, and the one was like, "Hey, do you have any ID?" and because of all the resources I've read, I knew exactly what was up. So I was like, "Oh yeah, they already checked me at the door." And they're like, well, we need to see it again. I was like, I have the bracelet. They already checked me at the door. And they're like, well, um, we're not going to let you play blackjack anymore. And I was like, okay. And they're like, well, I really need to see your ID or else you're not going to be able to stay here. And I'm like, okay. Wait, right? And I just walked away. Yeah. And Did, did, did you cash out then or did you just? Uh, yeah, I just went ahead and cashed out. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I only I, it was when I was very first starting, so it wasn't even – uh, any serious money. So I just, I, in hindsight, I probably shouldn't have cast out because they could have withheld my chips, but I hadn't learned that yeah. yet. That's one of the things now I would probably just leave and come back later, yeah. especially since it was only a couple hours away from my house. Yeah. I, I, I would have just left. Um, but at that time I didn't care. I already knew I wasn't given my ID and they just told me to cash out. So I was like, okay. Yeah. I mean, you, you uh, played it pretty pretty perfectly, which is is actually the more people I've talked to, it's pretty rare the first time. You know, I mm-hmm. think most times people kind of panic, and I, you know, I said it on a, a podcast not too long ago, like, don't hand them your ID, but people panic because they're. Mm-hmm. I don't think they've. It's it's almost like the mental reps. <laughs> you know, you got to have those mental reps of what a back off is going to be like, um, so that so that you follow it like you did. Yeah, and that's what I, I did feel the pressure. Um, they, they know what they're doing. And so there was three suits all around me and they're all trying to talk to mm-hmm. me and, and they just keep like reaching out for my ID and like ha- making, wanting me to hand it to them. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. No, no, thank you. Yeah. Um, and a- as I've gone through, I, I found that a lot of people, uh, pit bosses or security or whomever, they know the deal just as well as I do. And so a lot of my back offs have started with, you know, what's going on. Yeah. And yeah. Like, Okay. Yep. If I, if you know that I know, and I know that you know, all right. Yeah. And uh, the one guy's like, "So what's your name?" And I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, yeah, "You don't have to give it." And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm I'm not going to." Yeah. So, um, so is there any specific stories from the military that that come to mind when you think about handling uh, whatever in, intense authoritative or authoritarian situations? Um. I wouldn't say there's any specific story, unfortunately. Um, it was just kind of a general, I guess, sense that gets drilled into you starting from basic training. And mm-hmm. uh, my time in the military, it wasn't anything special. I never actually deployed or anything like that. So I just spent all my time stateside and learned and studied and did that. Um, but I, I still had supervisors and stuff that would get mad at me. And it was kind of a lot of the same stuff you just talked about, little rules that I was like, I know why we have rules, but some of these are just ridiculous. And mm. so I would try and get my way out of them. And that got me in trouble a couple times, but yeah. mm-hmm. that's the way it works. Cool. So, so let's get back into your, so you trained, um, mm-hmm. what, what was that, what was that process like? You, 
um, yeah, I mean, you found some videos online. Did you, mm-hmm. you got a membership and, and went through all that stuff. And then how, how is that transition from training to playing? Um, so one of the very first things I did was just, um, I, th- I think it, I, I saw a forum post or something, uh, from Joe seven, four, eight, or maybe it was one of the write-ups you did, um, on the website. And it, it was talking about how he was like, his training process was just watch all the videos in the video course twice. And so that's what mm-hmm. I did. And I, I think before I even got a membership, I had watched every one of your vid- videos on YouTube, um, mm-hmm. at the time of me watching them, uh, once or twice. And, um, I'm a really cheap person, so I didn't want to pay the money for the membership if I didn't think it was going to be worth it. So I wanted yeah. to get everything I could for free. And so I got the basic totally. strategy charts and the deviations. And I think when I just started, you would release the one, like the top two deviations was the 16 versus 10 and uh, insurance. And so I was memorizing those. And uh, I was running into a couple roadblocks, I, I, I guess I'd say, where it's like I didn't know. I, I knew I didn't know what I needed to know, but I didn't know how to get that answer. Yeah. So I thought, well, maybe a membership is is the way to go. And like again, a lot of people have talked about on your podcast, I was like, there's a chance this is just a scam. But let me try it out and see what happens. And uh if it is, you know, I'll call my credit card and say, Hey, this isn't legit. Yeah. Give me my money back. And uh turns out it's not a scam. What do you know? <laughs> and uh because most of the time when I see stuff like that, I, I have red flags going off in my head. Like, if this was real, why aren't they doing it? And the math mm-hmm. just doesn't seem to add up. And especially through all the YouTube videos and all the resources, I was like, that doesn't seem like that's the way this is. Card counting is real as far as many, many other resources. And uh, I, I really think something's there's something here. And... So I figured I'll give it a shot, see what happens. Worst case scenario, I'm out a couple hundred bucks and I just have to cancel my membership. But turns out that was a well worth the investment. Cool. And uh, transitioning from learning to play, it was kind of abrupt. I I, I really took to heart um, the the stories and stuff about uh, you have. I don't know where it's at. I haven't looked at it in a while. I think it's on the the homepage, the uh, card counter checklist. And you study basic strategy, and then you study deviations mm-hmm. and betting, and then you go to a casino and back count. And so that's 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 what I did. Is I uh, first went to the casino, my local one, uh, and I was just back counting. And I brought a little bit of money with me, which would have been risky, but I was just back counting a table and. It, Getting into the casino, it was just so easy. I was testing myself at home at the highest speeds and all that stuff. And so it went up to like a running 15 or 20 with two decks left. And I was like, well, I'm here. I I can't not bet this. (laughs) And uh, so I sat down, I bet, and it only lasted a couple hands. And I ended up like breaking even or taking a tiny, tiny loss because I was like basically minimum betting. I think it was $15 minimums at the table I was at um, because I didn't want to risk anything. And uh, so I felt really confident with that. I did a little bit more studying, and I started taking some time at the uh, casinos and getting used to that. And that was a little bit before I went to the boot camp. And uh, there was one session. It was This was, uh, I want to say, like March or April or something of 2018 or 2019. And... Uh, you hadn't had the uh, pro betting software uh, finished yet. Uh, there was just this little app. I don't know if some of the older yeah. people may remember. And so I just put in like an, a, an effective bankroll, quote unquote, and I just took a good win rate and I just bet that. And it was like a one to two by 20 or something like that. And I was just like, okay, let me bet that. And it w- I played that off and on for a couple of weeks as practice. But again, like almost every other Blackjack players, I was it was massively overbet for the amount of money I had, uh-huh. and uh, yeah. so, so like was, a one to forty bet spread, like one uh, one yeah. unit to two spots to twenty units, yeah, something like that. And uh, no, I think it was two spots of ten. I don't think okay, it was that yeah. big. So but, one uh, to twenty bet spread, but but you didn't really consider the risk the risk of that bet spread. 
Yeah, because um, I didn't have CVCX at the time, and uh, I didn't really know how much the change in the bankroll affected the uh, risk. I thought it was a more yeah. linear instead of an exponential thing. And so I was like, oh, yeah, I'll just take a little bit. I'm about half this, so it's it should be good. And uh, fortunately, I didn't lose it, but it was about two or three weeks before I attended my boot camp. I got into a session um, at the table where it was max betting and splitting and doubling and splitting and splitting and splitting. Yeah. And I had basically all my money on the felt. <laughs> Your and entire bankroll. Basically. And I was like, how did this happen? Now, fortunately, I it averaged out that I like won it all back. And uh, I think I was up a, a small little profit on one of the hands. But I took my money right after that and just left. And I was like, yeah. this is clearly too much risk, whatever. And I haven't actually got my skills test out. So I'm done in the casino for now until, until boot camp. Yeah. And what was your what was your goal at that point? I mean, did, you were you were working a full time job? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I can't remember exactly in the timeline, but uh, I, I've kind of always known that uh, the corporate lifestyle isn't for me. There's just so many inefficiencies, and mm-hmm. it's like even if I know the right answer, everyone's just like, let's talk about it for three hours. And yeah. so I was kind of wanting to replace that. Um, or move on from that job into something else, but still have money on the side. And uh, I would say that that's kind of what I, I never intended to go full time. I guess you'd say. And uh, it was just let's try this out and see where it goes. Mm-hmm. And um, so, how did you put together a bankroll? Um, so that's that's kind of the whole crux of my story that I posted on yeah. the uh, forum. Um, uh-huh. it, it was shortly after the boot camp. Um, well, I guess I guess I should take this back. When I when I turned 18, um, I, I had read some finance books and stuff like that, and I, I kind of had a trajectory of my financial path. And uh, so I started getting credit cards, and I read like uh, The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss and uh, mm-hmm. Ramit Seti's uh, I Will Teach You to Be Rich. Oh, yeah. So... Um, I, I learned from those books that uh, there's a way that everyone does things, and then there's usually these sideways that few mm-hmm. people think of but are much more profitable. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I started getting credit cards and building my credit, and um, you know that was like six years ago or something like that. Seven years ago, I started really building my credit. And uh, so one of the uh, techniques that they use in credit cards is occasionally you get these 0% interest balance transfer offers. Well, what you do in the credit card world is you take that balance transfer, you invest it for a year, then you take that back out, pay off the credit card, and then you get that little bit of interest as a profit. Mm -hmm. Well, I had just finished my boot camp, and uh, one of my credit cards sent me a little letter in the mail and said, hey, we're going to give you a 0% interest balance transfer, and you got a little over a year to pay it back, and cost you nothing. And I was like, well, okay, that's that's convenient timing. And uh, so I, 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 talked, I called my mom, I called my grandpa, and asking about finance and just double-checking, triple-checking that this is what I thought it was. And... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. So I, I signed the paper, I deposited the money into my bank account, and then about two or three days later, my other uh, credit card from the same bank sent me a letter. It's the same deal. And then about – so at that point, I had basically maxed out both of those credit cards and uh, had a, like ten, twelve thousand dollars $12,000. And then within like the next month, two other credit cards had sent me the same offer. Oh wow! And so I just said, "Well, if I'm ar- I'm already all in on these other ones, might as well go all in on this." And uh, I had, on some of them, it was just a year, and some of it was like two years. And I said, "I I know I can get the hours, and uh, let's see what happens. Worst case scenario, I don't get any hours, and this doesn't work out, and I just pay it all back in a year, and it's a fun story. Best uh-huh. case scenario." I end up making you know millions of dollars, and I'm on the cover of <laughs> Forbes magazine, or something. and uh, I'm writing my own book. So I've, I've got a couple of questions about that. Well, mm-hmm. this maybe this isn't a question, but I wonder those other credit cards that sent you similar offers a month later. I wonder if like if they smelled blood in the water, if they saw the activity, uh, or or if it's just complete coincidence that that all these offers were coming in. 
Um, I, I don't know. Um, it, I, I don't think enough time had actually passed for yeah. the credit cards to report. Um, probably, so I, probably I, think, I think it was just coincidence that it's like yeah. based on my credit history and payment history and all that stuff. They all decided that it was like, Hey, here's, here's some free money. They probably yeah. wouldn't do that to everyone that just came back from a trip to Vegas. Yeah. So, yeah. um, could have worked out bad um, for them, but it worked out bad for me, but. So was it, uh, Ramit Sethi that, that would talk about investing the credit card balances? I, I don't think he did, okay. but I think it was one of the rabbit holes I went through okay. studying his kind of stuff. And, and um, how would people invest it? Because even the stock market is, is, you know, kind of a crapshoot in any given year. Um, I mean, you, I guess you, mm-hmm. you shouldn't lose too much in a year. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it would, it would take like a real, a real, uh, downturn recession or something to lose much, so, but yeah, I had never done it before and it's, it's not really well talked about and I don't think there's any really great plans, but it's trying to get like good safe CDs or bonds or something oh, okay. that'll sure. pay you just, it's just, just a tiny percent, but you know, every percent counts yeah. and, uh, so yeah, you could invest in the stock market if you were a little more gambly because yeah. the variance on a year in the stock market can just go crazy. Yeah, um, yeah. So I had never done it before because I didn't want to take that risk. But once I had passed my test out at the boot camp and I knew my game was good and I had over a year to do it, I figured, well, if if – Joe seven four eight and Yoshi and they all can make a million in a year. Maybe I can too. So yeah, we'll get some hours in. You know, uh, we don't. I don't think I've talked about this before, but we would do this during the church team days because mm-hmm. um, investing in in the team was was such a good return, and we just got so many hours. You know, mm-hmm. and and it was kind of the same thing where it's like, well, if this doesn't work, you know, it it wasn't like we're gonna lose our house. You know, yeah. It was, just like okay, well, we're gonna have to pay, you know, uh, pull a bunch of my investment and pay that pay that off. But um, mm-hmm. we didn't do it like to the max. But but if they offered me, you know, yeah, ten grand, zero uh, percent for eighteen months, like yep. yeah, I'll invest that for for about a year and make maybe a thirty percent return on it, and and then uh, pay pay it down or pay it back. Uh, it's the same thing we would use HELOC money. Um, yeah. You know, but at the same time, I'm always really cautious to tell people don't don't take out a credit card card loan, um, you know, to to become a card carrier because I I think it it lends to someone that doesn't really they probably haven't perfected their game they mm-hmm. probably don't understand that you know they just think oh I'm gonna max out my credit card go to the casino make some quick money and you know pay it back and and that's really a recipe for for disaster but uh, yeah. For someone yeah, risk averse that understands what they're doing, uh, I've done very similar things. Yeah, that's that's what I prefaced my uh, forum post with. With this is not financial advice. I don't advise anyone yeah. doing this because uh, yeah. that that could lead to, uh, especially if you get uh, just a regular credit card uh, cash advance or whatever. Those yeah. are twenty six percent interest yeah. starting from the day you take it out, and that's it, it's possible, but <laughs> the risk is just massive. Yeah, that's that's probably really gambling. Yeah, um, and and like you said, you had a backup plan. If it didn't work yeah. out, you know, you're you're gonna grind at your job and and yeah. you know, work work it out. So when when that happened, so you kind of mentioned you came to a boot camp, and that's where I met you. Was at mm-hmm. a boot camp. I mean, I'd seen you on the forum and all that stuff. But yep. uh, came to boot camp. Your game was really solid. Um, you passed your evaluation. Is that right? Yep. Who who was that with? Who tested? Uh, you? David. Oh, okay, loud and often. Awesome. Yep. And uh, you, so you knew your game was good. You'd put in the training ahead of time. Now you had a bankroll. How much of a bankroll? Uh, it added up to just about thirty thousand dollars. Okay. Uh huh. So and I, you just, I, I knew that was yeah. enough to to get going. And uh, but I, I started out small. I started out basically like I was still on like a five or ten thousand dollar bankroll for mm-hmm. the first so, some hours. Okay. Uh, this is before you got the credit card offers or, or you played off a smaller bankroll even after you had gotten those offers? Uh, it, before and during, while the money was okay. still coming in and I was still kind of it. figuring it out. Mm-hmm. And so so what was your plan? Just hit it hard for a year and uh, while working? or? Uh, so actually, a couple coincidences happened at the time. Um, the job I was working at, the company 
wasn't doing too well. And, uh, I didn't really like my job. It was supposed to be an IT job, but I was ended up like working in shipping and doing packaging all the time. Uh-huh. And that's not what I wanted to do. I've yeah. always had an interest in IT and computers and security and stuff like that. And they were having me do spreadsheets and data entry. And I was like, this is not, and they threw me on the marketing team too. And so it wasn't huh. working out for me. It wasn't really working out for them. And so I decided to, uh, go back to school and try and get some sort of degree. And now that I was doing blackjack, I was thinking more of a math degree and maybe to have something that would help me out with that. And so I left my job and I started to pursue school and that never worked out. The timing didn't work out. Um, I can't remember how long I'd be living in the state because I had had problems before with like in-state tuition. And so it just didn't work out for the semester. I didn't want to pay all that money. And, uh, so I just decided not to go to school. Yeah. And then I the, – the good thing is because of the military, um, I did get out with some uh, muscle and nerve back problems, just minor. But I do get um, the VA payments. And mm-hmm. because I live pretty frugally – and this, this is, uh, I think, one other important part about my story that's really unique and important to know before you try and take out $30,000 is because of this guaranteed money, aside from complete government collapse, um, basically all my expenses have been taken care of. So Mm -hmm. food and home and all that stuff. So I didn't have to worry about having like a massive emergency fund Mm -hmm. um, because I knew if I wasn't making money and I needed to cut back to, to zero expenses, I could. And okay. move in with friends or family and eat ramen noodles and yeah. not drive my car and uh, cut down on my phone plan. I knew I was totally – I could be totally expense-free yeah. and just play blackjack. So that, that was a very important part of the consideration of taking out the money is I wouldn't be stuck in a point where it's like, oh, my car broke down and I can't get to work and I can't pay my bills. And so now I need to take my bankroll money to use in my car. And I, I didn't want to have any of that risk yeah. or headache. So I made sure that that was taken care of before I started uh, any of that. Yeah. It's, it's funny. This, this strikes me as very similar to kind of like a startup, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, like, yep. I, I, I think that, uh, Mark Cuban's been in the news recently for some interviews he's done. And he, he, he talks about how he hustled, you know, starting out and yeah. like living off of very little and and all, all that stuff. It's, you know, it's very very similar when you're you're trying to go pro at the beginning yeah. as as an advantage player. It's like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to hustle here, you know. And so you took kind of a unique approach though, where you didn't just go full time. It wasn't just like let me get in every hour that I can. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that and why and how? Yeah, so I I kind of coined the term three quarters full time, uh, mainly just for the interview. I was, I was talking with uh, Grease Monkey, who's you know, yeah. and I was posted on the forum and stuff like that. And uh, when I was being considered, and people were asking about a, a podcast, and uh, so I, I, I kind of coined the term to help explain that. Um, basically, I guess my personality type or whatever, it's kind of like all or nothing. So I don't. It's one of the reasons I, I don't think I worked well in a corporate environment is because I can work very quick and very efficiently and do a whole lot or nothing. And spending eight hours a day in a cubicle just was not working out because I can't fill my time with eight hours of work every day. Mm-hmm. And very few people can. And so I started what I call three-quarter three quarter full time in where that I can still have – uh, the freedom to go see friends and family take basically elongated vacations wherever I want. But several times a year, I basically decided that I was going to take an entire month and just go somewhere and play for the mm-hmm. entire month. And nothing but blackjack. Well, depending on where I was at, see the sites, you know, go to the Grand Canyon yeah. or whatever. I was in Arizona, mm-hmm. but it was going to be blackjack. So I had my uh, first big whole month one, uh, actually just about a year ago. And Mm -hmm. that's when I, I positive variance swung my way. I made some money and, uh, that helped me pay off some stuff. And I just repeated that process throughout the, throughout the year. So, so how many month, uh, like blackjack Mm -hmm. stints do you do try to do? Um, I, I try and get, 
Um, my plan is two huge ones every year, usually one in the summer and one in the winter. And then more like half, uh, mm-hmm. like two or three week long ones, uh, every couple months. And, okay. uh, I try and get some local joints in and just do a couple hours here or there, wherever I can. Mm-hmm. But, um, Based on my level of play and stuff like that, it's oftentimes better for me to fly across the country and play in good games than go to uh-huh. mediocre games a couple hours away. Yeah, yeah. Just more more uh, EV yeah. for, for the effort. Yeah. And how how do you feel like this, this approach has been working? Um, it's been working pretty well. Um, one thing that I do like, um, a lot of, some of it has to do with luck, but having like a full-time approach sometimes um it really Mm -hmm. helps you get over the uh variance quickly and i Mm -hmm. think it was in uh blackjack attack uh or maybe it was blackjack blueprint i can't remember which book but uh one of them was talking about how uh as a part-timer you know your losing streaks can last a longer amount of like months or or years because you only play 20 30 hours in sometimes two or three months and mm-hmm. so, you know, a 30-hour losing streak or break-even streak is very, very easy to happen. And mm-hmm. um, so if you're a pro, you can get over those 30, 40, 50-hour losing streaks just like that, just real quick. And it mm-hmm. only take maybe a couple weeks. And so that's part of the reason I've done that. And I've been fortunate enough to finish um, all my long trips up. And mm-hmm. um, so I, I get sometimes ten, twelve thousand dollars in EV and I finished I've both of my uh, biggest trips I finished a good bit above that um, and uh, so I haven't had these long losing streaks kind of wearing me down because those do get yeah kind of annoying yeah yeah those will wear anybody down um, yeah are, are you tempted to like extend a trip if you're not doing well um I guess you maybe haven't had to cross that bridge yet. It, it has happened, not on the long trips. Um, and, and that is something I have done. Uh, I was playing in the, the Northeast, and I was attempting to make my way down to North Carolina to visit uh, friends and family I have there. Mm-hmm. And it started off going really well. And then in about one session, I lost everything I had made, and I was it was yeah. very early in the beginning, and I was almost down to zero in profit. And uh-huh. it was just a massive hit. And uh, it was funny because I had uh, – I don't know if you remember this or uh, – I sent you an email like the day before on how this was working out. It was like my first <laughs> big trip, and it was great, and I'm so happy I went to the boot camp and everything. And the next day, I lost it all. <laughs> And I was I was sitting in my car and I was just like I I'm trying to rethink this is is it working? And uh, it had been a couple weeks I think a, uh, after or before you posted your video with uh, Loud and Often and uh, Pink Chip about the biggest losses. Mm-hmm. And so I just rewatched that and I got myself uh, recentered and I was like you know if if they can go through ninety thousand dollar losses in an hour <laughs> I can go through this. And yeah. uh, so I went back to the casino, and in about, I'd say, four or five hours, I just had a, a great session and made almost all of it back. And so my my uh, bankroll chart just looked like a checkmark, basically. Yeah. And it bounced back up. And I was like, oh, so this is what variance is. Got it. Yep. So so you didn't need to extend that trip since you uh, started turning around? No. Um, it, it, there was a, a trip later on. I ended up in, uh, Maryland and, uh, things started going South. And so I, I stayed around a couple extra days mm-hmm. and, uh, never turned around, uh, completely. It was more of like a break even. And I had, uh, plans in North Carolina. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll leave this one alone for now. But yep. So you said that you, you took your first big trip. Was it just about a year ago? Yeah. Um, and so what, uh, where are we at October? I don't know, four or five months into this experiment, um, mm-hmm. there happened to be a once in a hundred years pandemic that struck. How did that kind of affect the whole plan? So 
I, I will admit it was a little uh, anxiety-inducing because I did my uh, first big trip and about uh, started at the end of October last year. And I made some money, and it was great. And I was like, I just need to do this and keep making EV. But um, I spent December at home with family, and mm-hmm. January I got sick. Like basically the entire month, I somehow got two different flus or something. I recovered oh, for like three days and got sick again. And uh, uh, February, uh, my best friends in North Carolina were having their second child, so I wanted to go down there and help them since I had the freedom to do so. Yeah. And then my plan was come back in March. I had some paperwork and stuff to do. And end of March and all through April, I was going to be all over the Southwest. Just oh, casino, yeah. casino, casino. And so I booked hotels. I booked flights. And uh, I was so excited to be going back down there and seeing uh, the pros that live down there and, and yeah. friends. And hopefully going to a boot camp if there was going to be one in the time period. And then COVID started making its way to U.S., and I was like, you know, um, I'm young. I can. I, I'm just going to do this. But yeah. then casinos started closing down. Yep. And I was like, oh, well, this is this is not going to work out. So I had to cancel all my hotels and uh, rental cars and stuff like that. And then I just waited. And um, like I said, I still had money coming in. Um, so I was I was very stable throughout the uh, pandemic before yeah. casinos started opening up. And so I had all my payments taken care of. Um, but the the biggest crunch was that um, that year mark was the deadline was approaching ever, ever so close. Yeah. And uh, I was like, this was the trip I was supposed to make all the EV that would finish up <laughs> my credit cards. And now it's canceled and there's no end in sight. Um, yeah. So once casinos started opening back up, I went on some small trips, and uh, uh, I went on a big trip back to Southern California, and that's okay. where I made all my money back, paid it all off, came home, and I wrote the uh, the forum post. Yeah, that that you were able to pay off all the credit card mm-hmm. and yep. still be left with a bankroll yep. to continue playing. So once all my credit card payments post, and I've got some that I still haven't paid off because the deadline isn't here yet, and the money's right. just sitting in my account. But once all that posts, I'll be completely debt-free, car paid off, phone paid off, everything paid off, and I have a bankroll. So if, if you get out. those, if you get those credit card offers again, are you gonna use them to double your bankroll and head back out? There's a decent chance I may do that. Um, it, the other option is that that's your like emergency bankroll, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if I get those offers, I probably will take it, um, and then just leave it in the back, and yeah. just have it in a savings account or whatever, and just see what happens. And because uh, because that's one of my strategies uh, that I used is I didn't actually consider all of the money I borrowed as a bankroll. I kept like. $5,000 less um, for my risk of ruin calculations because mm-hmm. in case something went bad and I needed to make a payment or something. And uh, so I wanted to keep my risk of ruin very, very low because um, I, I did have a backup plan. And uh, part of the strategy actually came from uh, the four hour work week. And uh, have, uh, have you read the book? Yeah, I think I listened to the audio book. Okay. Yeah. So um, he talks about business and all this stuff. And that, that really kind of inspired me growing up and wanting yeah. to be in business and making money. And one of the things he talks about is uh, like writing down your biggest fears and what's really the worst case scenario. And the worst case scenario is I can go get another IT job. I can go work for somebody. I can work yeah. maybe for some family, work construction again, do electrical work and uh, make these credit card payments. And uh, yeah, it, it might suck. Um, having to go back and get a real job and not have all the freedoms I was getting used to, but um, that's absolute worst case scenario. Yeah. And if anything comes out of this, then I have huge odds to make good money and mm-hmm. do well. Yeah, I think that's a really good, really good point. Is um, you know, to do that to think through the worst case scenario. It really for two reasons. One, because like you said, sometimes it's like not really so bad not mm-hmm. so daunting. And and we can have all this fear around something that's like 
oh yeah, well maybe I have to get a job again, you know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I think the other, I was just working on, uh, uh, outlining a new YouTube video is about how much money to bring to a casino. And, uh, you know, the obvious answer for a gambler is like, well, don't bring more than you're willing to lose. But I was saying the same thing of like, well, think through what it'll actually feel like the next morning, you know, because mm. I could imagine some gambler being like, oh, yeah, well, if I lost a thousand bucks, that's OK. And then, like, would you really feel OK the next morning? You're going to feel feel like crap that you lost that. So, you know, I guess the two sides are think through worst case scenario, because sometimes it really isn't that bad. Other mm-hmm. times it's like, are you really going to be okay with that? You know, are you yeah. going to be okay getting a job? And if you are, then great. You know, you mm-hmm. know what's, you've thought through it, you you can stomach it and you know what you're getting yourself into. Um, mm-hmm. But I think from hearing, hearing from you, uh, you're, you're, I'd say much more like me where uh, more on the cautious side than the gambler that's like, oh, I, I'm not going to be worried if I lose all this money. Like you're, you're thinking through your risk and, and you really mm-hmm. know what you're getting yourself into. Exactly. So what, um, has the experience of being a three-quarter time or, or uh, you know, I'll just say a traveling AP, mm-hmm. what, what, what has that been like compared to what you're expecting? Has it been easier, harder, better, worse? Um, all of the above. Yeah. Um, that there's a, a lot to it. Um, this is one of the things when I was talking to Grease Monkey about. Um, before I was an... Uh, active AP or anything like that. Um, I've always had a, uh, I guess you call it like a traveling gene. And so mm-hmm. road trips, cross country, uh, I, I'd done a couple of those even by myself way before, uh, stepping foot into a casino. And, um, so that part of having to hit the road and drive hours and hours and hours has, hasn't, I, for me, it hasn't been like even a consideration. Because I was doing that, and I loved doing that way before being in a, a casino. And um, so that part, um, I know a lot of people talk about having to be aware of that. And I, I do think that's true. If you're if you're considering uh, becoming either a part-time or even a full-time pro, uh, you have to consider the travel. Because unless you live in some very, very nice locations, like you live in Las Vegas, you're going to have to travel a lot. Yeah. To, to get mm-hmm. in hours. And um, for me, that was basically a no factor. I, I was I was going to do that regardless of me sure. playing cards. Um, so I, I think that has been uh, very helpful for my transition because it really wasn't a transition. Um, mm-hmm. like, like we talked about earlier, one of the things that was, was harder was getting used to those losses. And especially mm-hmm. starting out, you know, my paychecks were maybe a couple hundred dollars. And mm-hmm. uh, then I'm going transitioning to a point where I'm betting and losing and winning more than a month's wages in an hour. Yeah. And, but I, I think because of poker and kind of the mindset that I had learned um, from that, I, I had really learned that it's, it's not, it's not money. This, this isn't my house payment or, uh, a new phone or food. This this is this is mm-hmm. business assets, and so it didn't really take a whole lot of getting used to. At the very beginning, there was some. Like I told you, when I lost basically everything I had won in one day, I, I had to recenter myself and get a better yeah. mindset. But um, that that was something that. Uh, was good. But I, I think, and you talked about this in previous podcasts, the best thing that was better than I hoped for is just the freedom that I have. Yeah. And, um, which can be a double edged sword as I mentioned in the notes before, but, um, I, I do have the freedom to go wherever pretty much whenever I want aside from COVID of course. Yeah. But so the, the freedoms was definitely even better than I, better than I'd hoped for. Hmm. So what advice would you give someone else that's considering going full time or three quarter time? Yeah. So, um, the first thing you need to know is, is your game perfect? So either mm. go to a boot camp or contact one of the other pros in your area on the forums. Um, if you don't know your game is perfect, even if you've spent hundreds and hundreds of hours on your own, 
um, at least for me, there's there there may be a something in the back of your head saying, "Is my game perfect?" And when you're on a losing streak, that even having been test out and playing as long as I have, sometimes I get on a losing streak and it's like, "Did I make mistakes? Is am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing?" And if you don't have your game tested out, that's got to be even bigger. And um, like it was before I went to the boot camp, and you're risking money and sometimes serious money. So I, I think that's probably the most important thing you need to have uh, straightened away before considering uh, really any time of play, but especially full time. Um, the second biggest thing is any restrictions you have on your traveling. For me, like I said, I've always been a traveler all across the country, but um, if you have family or some health issues or other travel restrictions, that's that really needs to be a consideration before you take out $30,000 in credit card debt. Yeah. Um, anything, anything else? Um, the last thing would really just be to listen to as much as you can go through um for this question specifically i actually went through the going pro section of the uh roundtable discussion and most mm-hmm. of the stuff i think that should be considered is mentioned there with uh yeah. levi mitch spartan and jc note mm-hmm. um so for anyone out there that hasn't already listened to those podcasts a hundred times definitely go back and uh listen to them Cool. I think those are members only. So if you're not a member, sorry, sorry, oh, not well. not a plug for the membership. But uh, but I think if people are like, where the hell is that podcast? Uh, sure. I think it's only in the those those roundtable ones are only in. Okay. The yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Um, but yeah, I I agree. Listen to and uh, read whatever you can. Uh, t- yeah. Talk to me a little bit about about networking and how that's played into uh, your experience as as a card counter. Uh. I would have to say it's basically invaluable. Um, I never considered uh, starting out that that would be as big of a factor as it really is. Um, I started out on the forums trying to reach out to the pros that had done previous podcasts or were active on the forums. And uh, then going to my boot camp, I met quite a few people. And uh, Grease Monkey especially, he, he's been mm-hmm. – uh, we, we talk – about every month or so. And when I'm going through losing situations or winning situations, it, it really helps uh, to just talk to someone who who understands. And mm. even though I know that, yeah, I lost, that's the way the game works, just refocus and get myself straightened out and hit the table the next day or the next shift even. And uh, having people to talk to about it, I, I think that's the the biggest the biggest help. And I, I think um, newer people, newer people on the forums and just joining the site, they may not consider how valuable that can, that that can really be for that, that aspect alone. Mm-hmm. You, you had mentioned something when, uh, before talking about, you know, kind of worst case and best case scenario of networking. Is, mm-hmm. is there anything you want to, any advice you want to give? Uh, just with networking, be careful. I mean, You've said it a hundred times. Everyone says it a whole lot. Um, don't post your address on the forum and try and be as discreet as you can on public forums like our forum and any other blackjack forums you may be a part of. Um, there is best case scenarios. Uh, I've met some very good people and I've learned a lot from and I've worked with. Um, I don't have, fortunately, any bad stories from any networking but I know they exist, and um, it's been repeated many times. I think I just saw a forum post the other day. Just be careful and yeah, try and try and keep aware of your own security as much as yeah. you can. I don't have any bad experiences networking mm-hmm. uh, with our forum or or others. I mean, there there's like one crazy dude a few years ago that was like out there, but I, I think he's disappeared at this point. Um, but uh, you know, yeah, you just, you want to be wise about it. Someone was asking me recently, well, how do I, how do I tell? And I said, well, you, you kind of got to take the time to get to know people. But for those who don't know on our forum, there is the boot camp badge that basically says someone's been to a boot camp. Now that doesn't mean mm-hmm. I personally vouch for them, Yeah, but it does say this person is serious about it, serious enough that they spent some money on their mm-hmm. training and that we yeah. have met them personally. And so then you could say like, Hey, 
you know, this, this person that says they've been to a boot camp, what can you tell me about them? You know? Um, and then of course, if someone has the pro badge, then that means that I actually have personally vouched like, yes, I know this person is mm -hmm. a professional AP. So that's a little pro tip for you. If, you know, on yeah. a form of kind of like, that doesn't mean someone that doesn't have a bootcamp badge or doesn't have a pro badge can't be trusted. It, it just means, mm -hmm. you know, whether they've been around other, uh, other serious APs. Um, yeah. So that's what I, I even remember at my boot camp there was a guy there, and you probably have seen it a million times, who just knew more than everyone else. And uh, he, uh, I, I don't actually remember who he was, but there was a lot of conversation with him and a lot of other pros where he was trying to correct them on stuff that he was wrong about. Oh, and yeah, yeah. So I, I think for anyone that knows just a little bit, it's it's pretty easy to spot those people. So yeah. Yeah, and our it, forum is really good about correcting. <laughs> like those yeah, people can't definitely. really exist on our forum very well because there's enough uh, mm -hmm. reputable reputable people that will correct them. But yeah, in a live environment, someone there are other people that want to come across as a know it all, even if they're not. And it's happened mm -hmm. since the first ever boot camp. Yeah, um, and it, yeah, if you're paying attention, you're. I mean, I'm going to correct them. I'm going to call them out. Um, mm -hmm. But but yeah, you got to be careful of uh, self proclaimed exp experts. <laughs> definitely. So do you have any uh, any classic back-off or trespass stories you could share with us? Um, I guess both, unfortunately and fortunately, not anything too out of the ordinary. Nothing that I would tell at like a, a blackjack party or nothing like that. But the biggest trespass I ever got, I was in Southern California, and it was right at the end of my trip. I had already made my money, and I set that aside, so I lowered my bankroll, and uh, I was at a, a double deck casino and I did just decided to smash and, uh, I lasted about 10 minutes and I was surrounded <laughs> by security and pit bosses. And that, that's one, I think, beneficial thing with, uh, COVID as it is right now is they have those plexiglasses, which if you can focus your eyes correctly, you can actually see behind you without turning around. Oh yeah. So, uh, I way maxed bet much more than they were comfortable with. And I kind of knew that. And, uh, but I was in a rental car cause it's at a place that does, uh, do your license plate. So I was a rental mm -hmm. car, didn't show any ID and I had the risk to take it. So I just decided to go after him. And as soon as, and of course the first shoe just max bets. And so I sit down, <laughs> I buy in and I'm max betting immediately. And, uh, one pit boss starts to freak out. He's calling other people. He doesn't have a player's card. She's like, well, he doesn't need a player's card. And I'm like, all right, let's finish this before before I have to get out of there. And uh, yeah, I didn't make it much longer. And so there was security and they're like, well, what's your name? And I'm like, no. And they're like, do you have ID? And I'm like, no. And they're like, okay, well, we're going to trespass you and we're going to send your information out. I'm like, that's fine. You got to do what you got to do. But and uh, so then he's like, all right, you need to leave. But I had just parked in a different section of the casino. So I didn't actually know how to get to the parking garage. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to need you to take me to this section. And so I just followed the security all around the casino till they got out. And uh, that was kind of amusing because they took it so serious. I was oh, like, yeah. it's not that big a deal. Come on. This is not – this is not – I wasn't betting two hands of 3,000 or anything like that. It was – it was – they should have been able to take it, but yeah. apparently I did get information previously that they uh, had been getting hit hard recently, probably because okay. COVID just opened up. So maybe they weren't as friendly as they should have been. Yeah. But yeah, it was six security guards and like four suits just all around me. And I'm like, guys, and they're all like six foot four, of course. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm about five nine. I'm like, is this supposed to be intimidating or something? I don't, can I just leave? Like, I'm not scared. Hit me. Go ahead. I don't care. There's a million cameras. <laughs> do, do whatever you want. And, so, uh, so in general, how has the kind of post COVID experience been compared to pre, I mean, I know you didn't have an elaborate career mm -hmm. before, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'd say with just, just like just about everything, there's, there's benefits and there's deficits. Um, I, I do like how a lot of places are limiting it to three people because if I get on a table, I don't have to worry about seven, five, six, seven, eight people at the table. Yeah. Um, but 
that comes with the asterisk of if I get on a table. I definitely have been to casinos where I get there and every table is full and I'm in the middle of nowhere and I'm just walking around for like an hour just going between table and table and table and like, do I even want to stay here? Should I just go back to my hotel? And um, because there's nothing open. And uh, then I see one across the room and I go to it and somebody's already, and it's actually somebody left their chips there and they're just at the bathroom. Oh yeah. I'm like, no, I thought this was a spot. Yeah. And, uh, so that has been a problem sometimes. Um, some places rules have degraded a little bit. Um, we were talking about one of the casinos I was at on a trip I was supposed to be on. Um, they were starting to cut off two and sometimes even more decks out of their six deck game. Jeez. And yeah, I was, I sat down at the shoe and, uh, it had just started, so I couldn't. I didn't see where the cut card was, and uh, I looked at the deck. I was like, "That kind of looks a little big. I don't. Maybe it's maybe it's the light. I had just gotten off a whole trip of playing double yeah. deck, so maybe I thought maybe my eyes were unaccustomed to six deck again. And I was like, "That no, that looks big." And I waited until the yeah. next shoe, and it it basically looked like she just chopped it in the middle. And I was like, yeah. "Are you kidding me? Why? Why is?" So I I went back in the bathroom, I opened up the app, and I I run the numbers, and I put the uh, cut card at two decks, and it wasn't great, but it was still beatable, and I was like, well, I'm here, let's see what I can do. But I did actually end up finding a couple of dealers that would do sometimes as low as one and a quarter. So I was able to try and stick with them and move with them through the transitions, but... Well, yeah, I, I've been, you know, I hear from a lot of people and, and I'm hearing mixed, you know, some places it's worse, other places the pen has actually been better. Um, yeah. But I guess the, the bigger question is, you know, is the sky falling, you know, with, with COVID? Because I, I, I'm not really out there playing, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, mm-hmm. not, I'm not playing. Um, so, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hearing different things and it's hard for me to tell if it's like glass half empty, you know, tendency or, or if like the, the sky is falling. Uh, I honestly, I I would have to say it's even more of like a glass half full situation. Like there's bad parts to it. Um, and maybe if you're stuck in one area and I haven't been to a ton of markets yet. Um, Mm. but I, I still think there's a lot you can do. Um, cool. So like everyone has been saying for as long as blackjack has existed, it's, it's over, it's ending. Uh, in my opinion, not even the pandemic has stopped it. It put it yeah. on a pause for a couple months, but, um, uh, yeah, it's hard to tell if, if, in, if individuals are having heat or if like all card counters are, are having heat, you know, I, I know, uh, so I, I know plenty of people are, are playing, but yeah, I just thought I'd ask you. So any, yeah. uh, I know we're at over an hour here, so we'll probably wrap it up here pretty quick, but any, any, uh, other stories you wanted to share with people? So yeah, um, one of the, the the stories I wanted to talk about is, is basically um, trying to keep focused. And uh, there was a story I was at a casino again on my last trip in Southern California, um, playing a double deck game, and uh, it very quickly just turned to chaos. And what had happened was there was two other players playing at the game, and uh, one player decided he wanted to switch seats. Well, at these double deck games, there are no mid entry. So if you leave for a hand, you're done. And But he, he told the dealer, he's like, hey, I want to switch over to the third seat. So he got his chips, moved over, the dealer paused. And the other player, a few hands later, just grabs the chips and walks away. And the dealer starts dealing, and he turns around and says, no, I was just moving, and starts yelling at the dealer huh. and the pit bosses. And the dealer's like, well, I'm, I'm sorry, you just grabbed your chips and left, and I've, I've dealt, I can't deal you back in. And so he's the the players yelling at him and yelling at the pit <laughs> bosses, and I'm just like, oh my! And the count's like true eight or something, and I'm like, just deal, just deal, please. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so the guy's like, well, I can drop the shoe, and the other no. guy, the other player said, yeah, I'll drop the shoe, and I was like, no, I'm not dropping the shoe. And so then he starts to deal to me and not the other player who said he wanted out, and then he's like, well, I wanted to play if he's playing. Well, I've already dealt. You can't, you can't come back in. And so now he's yelling at the dealer and yelling at the pit bosses. So I finished the shoe and now there's just tons of heat on the game. Just not even for me, just there's four or five pit bosses. Uh, security is kind of circling the area. And I'm like, I don't want to be here right now. Um, 
So I color up and I, I grab my chips and I leave. And as I leave and I grab the chips, I realize the dealer shorted me $500. Oh, no. And I was like, I, I, re- I, I counted out my money. I, I walked away from the table. I counted out my money. And I was like, there was extra stacks of 500 there. Um, that's not right. And so I had to go back into the casino, uh-huh. go to the pit boss and say, hey, look, I think I'm pretty sure you guys shorted me $500. So then I had to bring extra heat on. Well, it, it turned out not to be heat because fortunately there was another player that was buying in for like $8,000 at yeah. a table, two tables over. So they were all focused on her. He just made a quick call and gave me $500 and I got out. But um, there, there are times that sometimes just very unexpectedly things blow up in a casino and you couldn't have predicted them. Yep. Well, that's a good, good reminder to people that, you know, add up your chips before you leave the table. And mm-hmm. if there's a mistake, you got, like you did, you got to stand up for yourself and, and yeah. get, your, get your money. Yeah. I have lost like a dollar before in some stuff, and I was just like, you know what? That means the dealer's making mistakes. Maybe I can capitalize on that later. I won't bring it up. But yeah. $500 is a little bit more yeah. than I wanted to to leave on the table. Yeah. In Any other stories you want to leave us with? Um, not really, I think. <laughs> well, maybe in another year we'll uh, have you back on and you can share, share some more stories and, and yep. see how the three-quarter – time is working for you sounds good awesome well uh i want to thank our our sponsors uh four hour work week remit <laughs> sethi i'll teach you to be rich credit cards uh free free money <laughs> get lots of credit no i'm just kidding those are not we don't have sponsors but uh thanks poker player for being on the podcast uh thank you guys you. can reach out to him through the forum if that's cool with you uh, of course Awesome. And uh, yeah, thanks for sharing your story. And you guys can, you know, learn Card Gang on Blackjack Apprenticeship. We'll catch you guys later. Mm-hmm.